What's up, all you beautiful people? Welcome back. We got another episode of Strange Happenings here today, bub. Yeah. It's going to be a good one, yeah? Hot and fresh out the oven. All right. Well, you know, as always, I'm your host, Mikey, the bro host, bub, and as always, the wizard stoner, and uh, Dizbro the bro, behind the scenes, making everything look and sound (laughs) awesome, as always. Um, Anybody that's hanging out with us here, uh, we appreciate you guys always. Um, we've got some uh, things to a few pretty significant articles that we found, of course, just a collection of uh, some things that maybe were on the back burner that didn't make previous episodes. We've got a few of those uh, that we were sent. I feel like we're driving a fans. car down a road that never stops raining, but sometimes it gets a little bit lighter and those windshield wipers don't have to go as fast. But yep. it's like I keep saying, the strange happenings keeps going because there's strange things happening all the time like it's it's it's, yep there's no shortage it's like shooting fish in a barrel yeah and we've been focused on uaps and east palestine ohio and the train derailment yeah uh so we've got uh you know we've got some uh great topics that we're gonna kind of take a little bit of a left turn on this one so we've got some good ones i think i think we have some really good ones um, do you have any uh, mentions, any shout-outs you want to do this week? I know we didn't pull analytics and do all that. I mean, I can pull it up real quick and uh, go through it because I always think it's fun. Um, yeah, absolutely. I don't know what Mikey's take is on it. Yeah, uh, we appreciate else, our um, audio platforms are really starting to do well, so we appreciate everybody that's been listening on yeah. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, wherever you guys are are listening to the show, we appreciate the heck out of you. We just had our uh, highest week ever yeah, of audio downloads. Very, very so cool. thank you everybody for listening, yep. tuning in, downloading yeah. that. And, New and, listeners uh, all over the country. Uh, Japan is creeping up in in the rankings. Yeah. So it, it's uh, always cool to see uh, people across seas and uh, that somehow found our little show. And like we cool. said, maybe it's a VPN. Maybe somebody's hey. using a VPN. It could very well be that. But <laughs> if it's not, you know, it's either one or the other. So yep. either way, it's somebody listening that we appreciate. Yep. Um, that's all I really have on that other than uh, broke 800 on YouTube on subscribers. Yes, that's thank wild. you to all the new and and current YouTube subscribers. Yeah, uh, You guys are great. Um, we are inching closer and closer to some goals that uh, we're hoping to hit here in the next couple months. Yeah. So thank you all. Like that kind much. of goal right there, having uh, audience yep. members like hey, uh, Bert Moran, Moran saying, I'm yes, at work, sir. but I did sw- swing by to smash the like button. <laughs> That's dedication, Brother, man. Thank we, you, Burton. We appreciate you so much. Heck yeah. Um, another creator, uh, local legends, Burt Moran. That's great. Yeah. Um, check great. out his podcast and, and show. Absolutely. Um, hey, Futs Capacitor, what's happening? Futs. What is happening? Welcome, all of you. I uh, thought the other part of that message was going to be H O O O O, like you. Also and working. I would love a you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> we have a bit of an early show on this yeah. one. Uh, we were able to, uh, you know, we want to try to spend evenings as much as we as much as we possibly can. Right. Uh, but having to work during the day, and usually we shoot. Uh, we've been having some late shows, so we've had some late ones, yeah, yeah. But so, trying to get home, you know, at night and spend time with our family and friends and pets, yeah. and just have uh, some, you know, time to do some uh, normal things and hey, hey. maybe the dishes every now and then, so that my wife doesn't get so upset. Yeah, I kind of do them; they make it into the sink. Yep. See Fulton, what's happening? A lot of I times know who that is. There we go. You. <laughs> um, other than that. 
just kind of plugging <clears throat> along. We've again really surprised and very thankful that we have such a awesome listener base and viewership and interaction, and such a great mascot here in Rolo. Um, to guide us through <laughs> oh, this yeah. show. Rollo's back. I don't have any biscuits for you, buddy. I only had that Rolo. one. Rollo. Um, I think. Do you want to kick this off and dive into yeah. uh, getting into it. some of these things? So we're, we're not even going to mess around. We're going to start right off with uh, coming from a credible source, if we can yep. have one in a, in a, in a hierarchy of uh, rule. Wow. We've got, you know, the Mexican, Mexican president goes viral for claim he has photo proof of <laughs> mythical woodland elf. And this was published <laughs> just on the 26th. Yeah. So just. Just a couple days ago. It's just a funny read. It says it doesn't <laughs> appear that he was joking in his Twitter post. Maybe he's just really good at satire. Who knows? But yeah. um story goes on. It says the president of Mexico is going viral after he posted a photo to uh, social media that uh, said he had uh, a photo of a mythical woodland elf of Mayan folklore. And, quote, everything is mystical, Mexico President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador said in a Twitter post Saturday, accompanied by two photos, including one that the president says shows, and I, I hope I say this correctly, an a looks or an aluxe. I don't know. But according to traditional Mayan belief, aluxes or aluxes are small, mischievous creatures that inhabit forests and fields and are prone to playing tricks on people, like hiding things. Some people leave small offerings to appease them. Now... Just a real quick side note, because I, I didn't even remember that part, but I told Kyle um, just a little bit ago, I said, I, I'm not sure I believe in, you know, the paranormal hiding my keys personally, maybe other people, but for me personally, I think my ADD is what does it, because I've done it to myself so many times now that I don't know why my brain just can't put it back in the same place. But, you know, there are a lot of people that have claims. We've had Tom on. You know, of things getting yep. misplaced, a phone getting put in someone's purse or, you know, just really weird things where it's kind of like either somebody's playing a joke or how did it happen? And uh, it's kind of interesting that, you know, that's kind of what the belief is surrounding these yeah. uh, elf of Mayan lore. But um, it says Oberdor has racked up nearly five million views on the post as of Sunday. One photo in the post shows a pre-Hispanic sculpture in Ek Balam, a Yucatec Maya archaeological site, while the other photo shows a nighttime shot of what appears to be a creature in a tree with glowing eyes, which we do have those pictures side by side. And if you do click on um, the actual Twitter post and photo of what they're calling the Aluxa <laughs> elf, I mean, when I look it's at it, weird, I can man. see knees, I can see feet, I can see yeah. hand. Bub had a bigger image for me to look at. And yeah. I could start seeing. I definitely see the face and almost like this hood, this white it's a hood or blonde, or it's blonde hair. Or it looks like a hat, like a fuzzy hat. Something cooking I don't there. Know. I mean, it's weird. But you can see the left arm around the tree. There it is. Uh, and then you said it's knee, like it's looking over. It's crouched down looking over its knee almost. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so, yeah, there's a lot about it. So there, there's the photo. Uh, maybe somebody faked it, right? Maybe someone climbed up the tree and did it. Could be, right? Because we don't know. We can't go there. We could kind of go on faith here or believing whoever took the photo and reported it. But um, breaking it down, it's not one of those where I look at the picture and I'm kind of like, I don't see anything. I've had those before where maybe I'm just not looking at it correctly and somebody has to point it out to me. But this one seems pretty apparent. And then they compare it to a side-by-side with one of the carvings of what these Mayan images are of the creature that they're saying they're seeing, right? Right. So there's that on the uh, image now is the actual sculpture of this from um, the historical context and the archaeological sites. 
So that's kind of interesting that there's something to back it up to. Um, they also say that the uh, the photo was taken by an engineer at the construction site. Now, this is really interesting. The construction site of a new train railway in the Yucatan Peninsula, according to Oberdor. The railway is being constructed to transport tourists to and from popular destinations, including Mayan ruins. Mm-hmm. Yep. So maybe, you know, kind of disturbing the peace. Uh, sure. You know, in a certain way, I just... Say that could be a little avenue. Um, they said the post has set off mockery and astonishment uh, among some Twitter users, including speculation that the creature in the tree is actually just an animal. A raccoon with a bag on its head? <laughs> I'm sorry, Aquila Hughes. Jeez, uh, oh, I think that's a stretch. Uh, um, I don't see the bag. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of raccoons. So like I said, that that's just kind of a fun article that, you know, I don't know. Is he trying to drive up tourism to Mexico? Maybe. Who knows? Maybe he's the best uh, PR spin artist there ever was. Well, I know. He's Maybe been- everybody's going down to the Yucatan now looking for the Aluxa. Here's the thing. He's been taking a lot of heat with how he's handled the cartels and the chaos down there. Okay. So, you know, could be just a nice little diversion from all the craziness that's happening with, uh, you know, the next generation cartels that are coming up in Mexico and they're, you know, infighting right now. And it's just a lot of chaos. Right. So maybe this is just a little distraction or something. Take a little heat off. Yeah. A little deflect. The elf cartels back. Elf cartel. They're coming. They're coming to set things straight. (sighs) The forest cartel. I'm just, again, my own analogy of myself is I'm like a weather vane, right? I don't really hold all the facts all the time, and I don't really want to because I don't have that much bandwidth to it. I would need, like, so much help to have all that information all the time and in order. And, you know, like, I think if I ever wrote a book, I would just keep talking until somebody edited edit it yeah. for me because yeah. I just don't have that capacity. It's not where my strength lies. In right. It. I'm just more of like a collective narrative of it. So like in my perspective, I think so you got all these UAPs, maybe now you got the president of Mexico saying these Aluxa are back. There's all this weird kind of stuff going on. The the vibrational energy feels like it's kind of ramping up. There's just a lot of weird stuff going on, like conversations that I didn't think would be happening or happening, like just a lot's happening. Mhm. So maybe it is the whole veil's getting thinner, the energy's rising. Right. I don't know what age we're supposed to be stepping into in the new world that was supposed to happen with the cosmic, you know, kind of transmission of, I don't know if it was a brain dump or a knowledge dump or, you know, like a download. I didn't get a download. Maybe I should have. Can I subscribe if there is one? Um, But yeah, I I think it's, it's cool. It kind of plays into a lot of what we've been hearing and talking about. Yeah. Russia's talking about nuclear war. UFOs show up. We're shooting down UAPs. I mean, to me, it seems like some kind of cryptid almost. Seems like some kind of. It's like a UAP all skates, yeah. like a cryptid, you know, <laughs> Bohemian Grove all over the world. Like it's Sasquatch riding mastodons, like we said. Yeah, I mean that to me looks like a, some kind of ant, like like I said, humanoid cryptid of some of some sort too. It could be somebody faking it. I don't know. That's yeah. why I got to say, like it, it's some dude. The most up I can say about it, wig. most I can say about it is, yes, it looks like there's something in the tree. It could be yeah. photoshopped in there. I have some no dude clue. with a Halloween mask on and a blonde wig. <laughs> if I had taken the photo, how would I explain that to somebody? Maybe that's the way I would look at it. <laughs> it's a trail cam, right? Why it looks the way it does? No, no, the engineer okay. took the photo. Okay. So there again, how are you getting that much light up there at night? It looks dark. 
I think maybe it's lit it, by the construction site. I think that's why it's in black and white. Somebody okay. processed it. Kind of enhanced to make it, it. Yeah. Pull that image out. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Cool enough. I, I just thought it kind of had a very predator <clears throat> kind of look too. Like mm-hmm. a stance. Like if it is something mysterious, mythical, kind yeah. of fantastical, it definitely is in the stance for it. It's not sitting there like somebody that, you know, has their head up their butt. Just like it doesn't know what it's. It looks right. like it's very in yeah. tune with what's happening. Yep. I don't know. Anyhow. On to the next one. I want to hear this one. You want me to do this one? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. By the way, I I noticed you have your uh, Van Tesla t-shirt on. Van Tesla t. Joel hooked us up with some some swag last weekend. I just love the horse on it with the wings and the Pegasus. Yeah, it's such a cool design. It reminds me a lot of the... Flip your laptop down. Yeah, it reminds me of when I've been to the Denver International Airport a few times. And the uh, like blue Mustang they have outside. Oh, yeah. And I was at the Denver International Airport before they took off all of the murals they used to have with, like, the swastika-wielding, mm-hmm. m- you know, flaming knife with weird kids and gas masks. And you're like, yeah. where the hell am I? And why yeah. is this on an airport? And what does this have Still to there. do with any? No, I don't think it, it is. I thought they, they took it? them down. Okay. I think they did because I feel like we've been through there a number of times and I've not seen them since yeah. the first time I've gone through that airport. I, but I could be wrong. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Weird. But, you know, it's not the norm. Yeah. Let's get at uh, this though. I hear okay. you got an O-ring panda excited on this. <laughs> Mike. Well, Mike well, loves O-ring panda. Uh, it's just, I mean, I don't know about 15 of 20 episodes that O-ring panda's been mentioned. So why not now? Uh, but this is something that you actually had put in to the pile a couple episodes back. Yeah. It did make the yeah. cut. And then uh, our buddy Jeffrey Wilson uh, sent me this. Kind of um, recharged the notion, so yeah. It's like, all right, that's a sign. Because I thought I had read about this, and I was like, I yeah. thought it was really wild. And then I think we just had, I don't know if that's when the UAP stuff kicked off or there was something else that kind of just knocked it. But we get, it again, was. there's so it many headlines. UAP shot down because this is Every from week. February 8th. Uh, well, this is actually pretty pretty recent. Maybe the one you had was a little older. It might have February been February twenty third. Yeah. How about uh, but it? anyways, uh, IFL science, and this is uh, James Felton. Anthropologists believe an ancient human species may have been sighted on Flores Island, which is where uh, the Homo floresiensis was recovered and found. I think it was around ten years ago, which they call the Hobbit person. Right. So, and that skeleton was supposed to be really, really old, though. Right. Um, is it a possibility that these are still living on the island? So they're seeing them. These beings, or like the Tasmanian tiger. Yep. But you know, these are humanoid. Uh, so wow. a retired anthropologist has revealed a little more about sightings of hobbit-like species by the locals of Flores Island. In 2003, archaeologists looking for evidence of the migration of modern humans from Asia to Australia stumbled across a small, fairly complete skeleton of an extinct human species on the Indonesian island of Flores, which came to be known as Homo floresiensis, or as it became more commonly known, the Hobbit. After the small breakfast-guzzling creature from J.R.R. from J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit, the species was initially thought to have survived until relatively recently, around 12,000 years ago, before further analysis pushed that date back around 50,000 years. But one retired professor of anthropology at University of Alberta says there's evidence that the species' continued existence 
may have been overlooked and the Hobbit may still be alive today, or at least, least within living memory. In an opinion piece of the scientist promoting his book Between Ape and Human, Gregory Forth argues that paleontologists and other science, scientists have overlooked indigenous knowledge and accounts of an ape man living in the forest of Flores. We, we talk about that all the time. Absolutely. The Native American, it's myth, it's lore. No, these, this is history in a lot of cases. Right. The word Sasquatch, that's a Native American term for Bigfoot. You right. know, they, all of the, most of the Yowie, you know, these are all indigenous mm-hmm. uh, words for these creatures. Um, and, you know, they're just never taken seriously. Um, <clears throat> and so... Uh, he says, my aim in writing the book in, in this book was to find the best ex- explanation that that is the most rational and empirically best supported uh, of Leo accounts of the creature. Um, Fort, I'm sorry, Fourth wrote in a piece. These include reports of sightings by more than 30 eyewitnesses, all of whom I spoke with directly. And I concluded that the best way to explain what he told me is that a not a non-sapiens hominin has survived on Flores to the present day or very recent times. That's wild. Mm-hmm. He writes that local folk zoologist by uh, by the Leo people, uh, Leo 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 people uh, inhabiting the island contains stories of humans transforming into animals Whoa. as they move and adapt to new environments, which he likens to a type of uh, Lamarckism, the inheritance of acquired. Uh, physical characteristics. Okay. Um, as my field work revealed, such uh, posited changes reflect local observations of similarities and differences between a supposed ancestral species and its differentiated uh, descendants, he says. So the the Lyo identify these creatures as animals, not having the complex language or technologies that humans possess. However, their eerie similar, uh, similarity to humans is noted. They're described as standing upright and walking on two feet, as well as being relatively hairy. Enter O-Ring Pandek. Jesus. Just saying. Enter O-Ring Pandek. It's some kind of hominid. It's... Not but quite is o, human. But O-ring pandek isn't Homo floresiensis. It's like a mini Bigfoot, right? But that's but, what O-ring pandeks are. I get they're little creature. They're little cryptid. Uh, well, like a pygmy elephant. But but they're they're standing upright. O-ring pandeks stand upright. They're little hairy people. Uh, hold on, I get. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of in the same area too. What do we? T- <laughs> They're little hairy people. Yeah. Hold on. But I get that. I know. It's like, you know, the Hamburglar, right? He's tiny. Or they. Um, My question is, is O-Ring Pandek... I'm not an expert. What? I I know, but follow me. O-Ring Pandek has already been found, documented... Indonesia. Skeletal remains. No. Homo floresiensis has been. They've never found an O-Ring Pandek? Well, O-Ring Pandek is a cryptid. It's just a... I thought O-Ring Panic had been discovered. No. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. No. I was wondering why you were so no. cheesed about getting an O-Ring Pandex something or other. I was like, what? <laughs> no, O-Ring Pandex a cryptid. It's a mythological... It's not a, like... So you think Homo sign. Floriensis is O-Ring Pandex? Yes, that's my wow. theory. Wow. So I've been wow. trying to tell you. That's great. 
for a week now. I thought O-ring pandek was like uh, Australopithecus. No, Homo floresiensis is a real hobbit person. I, that yeah, they yeah, found, I'm with like, you there. It said in 2003. Now they think they're alive, and then you got O-ring pandek, what you can't say, you know. Right, and if they're saying those relatively hairy What if this is like people, the rabbit people I was saying about the guy in Panama that told us about it when he took us hiking, when he was like, yeah, there's rabbit people out in the jungle. I was like, what do right. you mean? yeah. He's like t- well, tiny little people the size of rabbits as well, but they're it's like Gulliver travels more humanoid. Stuff, they're you know? not you know animal like. No, the rabbit people aren't animals. That's what I'm saying. Those people are more animal. Really they're tiny, just people. really tiny people. Yeah. these are cryptids in the sense that they're more like a Bigfoot than they are a person. El ring pandek. I'm saying from what we think from the skeletal remains. We don't have skeletal remains of O-ring pandek. We just have skeletal <laughs> I'm remains. Saying, I'm saying, of, but if we got skeletal remains of Homo floresiensis, they could reconstruct that, right? Just like they do with a caveman or yeah, know, which all. I think they have, right? But does a Homo floresiensis reconstruction look like O-ring pandek of lore? Like, <laughs> like I said, yeah, I these are just this is a crackpot theory that I had. You know, this week. So I haven't fully, fully dug into all of your questions, bub. Uh, oh, dude, it's a snow day. No uh, work. Lord, Heck nice. yeah. All right, Nancy. Lucky. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. It is sunny. Kind of. Well, it's a little chilly, but. Well, I don't think that she's possibly in Ohio. Yeah. Oh, she's yeah, got course. a snow day. Yep. And if you Way do have north. a snow day, maybe it's a good day for skiing. Yeah. Where are you from, Nancy? Without without doxing yourself too much on location, yeah. some people general state and a region. <laughs> yeah, if you got good skiing out there, you should go hit the slopes. Unless it's um, yeah, so that's all I had for that one. Now that we debated the existence of O Ring Pandek being uh, the the reality, of I O-Rang just want Pandek you to know now that I'm like on Team O Ring Pandek, like before I was on Team Sasquatch. Right. See, that's right. right. Hey. Right. That's what that's what I'm here for. I'm just here to provide the evidence, Bob. Had to toast the other side of the conspiratorial pancake for that one. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, is this one you? Mm. You doing this next one or am I? Oh, uh, I got this one because yeah, that's right. I think this is brief, and my ADD some days is not great for long articles, so you're going to have to bear the brunt on those. I hate to say, but yeah, I found this. I don't even know where I found this one, and you know, I'm not trying to knock, but I've never heard of Curiosmos.com. Um, you know, credibility-wise, I'm not going to say one way or the other. I'm just saying it's kind of an interesting story, and it starts off by saying an ex-CIA agent says major UFO revelation will take place in 2027. It's a long time. What year is it? 23. Yeah, it's four years. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the way it? things are moving right now, I think it'll be sooner. Well, it, it, well, he's saying a major. It's not to say that there won't be a UFO right. revelation, like but a say, major like one. Like, here's so. all the free energy, uh, anti-gravity Who technology Who knows? This type came of out, situation. This came out by Ivan Petr- Petrichevich. Petrichevich. Not bad, not bad. Uh, on February 27th of this year. And... Um, Starts off, uh, there have been several noteworthy developments related to UFOs, unidentified flying objects, which I'm still sticking with. We can also use the newly branded UAP if you prefer that nomenclature. Um, but I like UAP. Potato, yeah. potato, UFO, UAP. 
however you like it. Um, it is important to note that while there has been increased attention and interest in UFOs in recent years, they are still a subject of debate and controversy. However, several factors have been contributed to a shift in the UFOs and how they are perceived, including four main reasons um, laid out below. So first one, declassified government documents. The release of declassified government documents, such as the Pentagon's previously classified videos, showing encounters between U.S. Navy pilots and UFOs has lent credibility to the idea that there are unknown aerial phenomena, or UAPs, not easily explainable. There's been a growing interest in UFOs in the media, with many mainstream news outlets reporting on sightings and encounters that has helped shift the conversation from being seen as a fringe topic to a more mainstream one. Many scientists and researchers are taking a serious look at the possibility of extraterrestrial life and investigating potential evidence for it. For example, the Breakthrough Listen Project, which uses advanced technology to search for signals from extraterrestrial intelligence, is a joint effort between researchers. And then finally, there has been a gradual shift in attitudes towards UFOs and the possibility of extraterrestrial life. As scientific knowledge has increased and society has become more open to the idea of exploring the unknown, the stigma and skepticism surrounding UFO sightings have diminished to some extent. This has allowed for more open discussion and investigation of the topic. So I've been blowing you and Kyle up on Mattermost and different threads talking about I've, I just watched the Rogan Weinstein where... You know, he's this mathematician and, you know. Physicist. Well, I think he's mathematician, mathematician physicist. He yeah. Does, he does a lot. But, you know, he was saying in the episode that he's been told for like, and we got cut out on our episode the other day and we talked about this. I watched the replay. None of this made it. So when Justin from Cryptids of the Corner was like, you went out, none of this made it in the live cut. Oh, really? So what I was talking about was Weinstein saying he's been told that he's going to get release this information it's never happened and yeah and he calls manana. it the manana yeah every day is manana tomorrow we'll do it tomorrow yeah. you know and he's he's getting tired going and off up. and telling him hey so he's kind of bubbling over yeah you know? and so that's so you look at what these points are and i'm just kind of adding credence to that you know the scientific interest and the the ability for topics to be discussed um kind of dovetails into this xca agent and they're saying that there's going to be a disclosure in 2027 um, as the article goes on, it says, moving forward in an attempt to understand all that crosses the skies of our planet, more and more military and former military and intelligence personnel are coming forward to speak out about the phenomenon. One such person is ex-CIA agent John Ramirez, who during an interview on YouTube spoke out about the UFO subject and what the future holds. John Ramirez worked for 24, 25 years as an operative for the CIA, and he said in an interview with the podcast UFO that the United States government is aware of an impending event in 2027 that will reveal something quite significant, so people are preparing to avoid mass panic. That's been a common thread ever since I've been aware of the UFO conspiracy of if UFOs are you know said to be real, everybody's going to lose their minds and we're going to you know fall to pieces. And hey, who knows? Maybe some people will. I don't think everybody would. It depends on the nature so. of the UFOs and if they are intelligent, if they're beings, and if, if they come down and if they're hostile. You know, there's a lot to be figured out there. Like, because if they are here already and they haven't blown us up, they're non hostile. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're non hostile. They're observing. They might be observing us. Maybe they're doing abductions and that. We've been down that rabbit hole and the whole agreement. Maybe that there's, you know, a, a genetic and testing and experiments and whatever. Cattle mutilations, all kinds of weird stuff that maybe there's this agreement that was yeah, done a long time ago yeah. where there's a research agreement, right? 
So there's a lot of ways to be interpreting it. But again, if you want to take the classical example of like if there was aliens and they're more intelligent than us, then that's like scraping ants off a hill, right? So they should just be able to come down and wipe the checkerboard and doesn't matter. They would have done that already. Right. If they were you would think going so. to, yeah. You would think so. But it, that's assuming the agenda too of if there's an extraterrestrial life and what would it do? Mm-hmm. Um, anyhow, so – just interesting, right? Yeah, very. So the former agent made the statement last year in December during the podcast with Martel Wills. Ramirez was asked by the host, what would happen if there was a massive alien landing on Earth? And Ramirez replied that with all of the recent agencies created to study the phenomenon, the government is, in a way, preparing the American public and, to an extent, the world population for the reality that there is a presence here that we need to explain. He also said that if they, quote, aliens show up and we continue to do what we did before in previous decades, there will be mass panic. However, it will be different if we understand that they are real. And here's another quote. He said, in many ways, I think the word has gotten out within the government that they will show up in 2027 and we better be prepared for it. If not, there will be a lot to explain. That is why in 2017, with the disclosure of the Navy videos, a 10-year clock began to tick. It is also why Lou Elizondo said earlier mm-hmm. this year in 2022 to find a five-year hobby as everything will be ready by then, he explained. Got a video below with John Ramirez if anybody wants to check out that video. Um, I haven't actually watched it, so I, I will leave it up to you just going off the quotes from the um, article taken from the uh, video. Itself. John what Ramirez you, is legit. What do you think? Especially about that last quote with saying you mm-hmm. know Elizondo kind of foreshadowing with you know, in 2022 saying, you know, just get a hobby for the next five years. And yeah. Then, pardon the language, but shit's going to get real. Yeah. Get your popcorn ready. You better learn how to Stay knit. Busy. You better learn how to knit an Afghan before you go blasting right. off towards Saturn. Right. And it ain't going to be like your grandma's Afghan. I guarantee you that. You're going to see Betty and Barney Hill coming down like, you know, still 20 years old because they've been cloned and out in outer space. Like maybe Betty and Barney Hill haven't been real since they were abducted. Maybe the aliens were like, "Hey, you can get on the ship." Wow, but and we'll just leave. Went a and we'll hard leave. Right turn. We'll leave the clone of you. <laughs> I just thought about this, but think how great that would be because this would help. Look at him. Think about my story the other day of how Joel said if there was a portal, he wanted to jump in the portal. And yeah. I said if there was a UFO, I'm getting on the ship. I might get on it. I've thought about it, but what if they said, "Hey, look." Just to save the heartache of all your family and I'd friends, like we'll back. clone you. I'd right? like you could come, come back whenever you want. Not as a clone, though. No, you don't have to. But I'm saying, in your place, the whoever's are like, hey, we'll clone you. Nobody will be the one. Because I know contract. Will... Like, oh, I need to sign it. No, it's just they can do it. Like, you know, Easy Bake Oven. Like, you know, remember creepy uh, crawlers you used to be able to make? The monster thing? Like, yeah, easy... I do. Yeah, they just do that for you. And they pop out a new Mikey and they <laughs> set you out on the street. And then they go, hey, let's go cruise the cosmos. Don't you want to take a tour? To you, if it'll it's be like me, a not second. The clone, the clone gets the tour, or I get the tour. You get the tour. I get the tour. You come back. The clone stays and does. You podcasts come back. With you. You're traveling at the speed of light. You're going through wormholes with these beings. Right. Time doesn't when I matter. Come back, Your time with them doesn't matter. You could. Li- it's like Inception. Right. It's gonna when be they like go down fifteen like minutes. Five minutes is three thousand right. years to you in their yeah. travel time. Right. Like contact. Like Jody Interstellar. Foster. Jodie Foster came 100%. down, boom. She thought she 100%. just dropped down into the water. Warping of space and That's time. That's what it looked like to everybody else. But Einstein she was on this, this planet talking to her dad and getting weird. Right. And you remember you what know. they said in that movie? You remember the contradictory piece of all of that? They grill her in front of this commission and, yes. and, and, and hearings. They de- yeah. They and James Woods like is putting, yeah. the, you know, putting yeah. the screws to her. Yeah. And he's like, when we watch the video, we watch the ball drop. 
and it goes through the contraption. Yeah, yeah. And it only takes like five seconds, the mm-hmm. whole video for it to drop. Yep. And then at the end of the movie, what do they do? They take Jodie Foster's headset, which didn't record shit because the video was but recorded there was of white for like noise. A day. Yeah, the white noise. It, the recording was there. There was nothing there. But how did it? Record. How did it record for that many hours if she fell for five seconds? Right. That's the distortion of the time. Yep. Boom. So. So I'm going on the ride, not the clone. You get to go on the ride. I'll go on the ride. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So what if Betty and Barney Hill aren't really Betty and Barney Hill when they came back? Well. They just slipped back at some point and said, you know what? Now we can just, you know, hit the delete button. These organic clones that we've made just turn into compost. And now they're, you know, growing the best flowers on the block and have been for years. Well, I don't know about that, but anything's possible, bub. Fixing a lawnmower like Beldar. Give me that spark plug. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you just have a Coneheads reference? Coneheads is incredible. Chris Farley know. might be his best role ever in Coneheads. Very underrated role. A Chris Farley role. When he Very small part Carl, makes that movie. Though. And he goes, I find you unacceptable. And Chris Farley goes, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> all he says. He just rips it open like a tuna can. Oh. Jeez. Um. Oh, my God. Oh, Born Not to Run. Yeah. I'm either. If it's the portal like Rick and Morty or if it's the ship. Yep. I'm, Definitely I'm, get on the ship. The portal, that's a roll of the dice, bro. Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the, I'm gonna leave the uh, uh, clause in there that before I yeah. jump in the portal, there's a clone offered to me that, you know, it's kind of my I mean, you've seen saving Stargate. point of like a video game of like Justin was on Earth. And yeah. This is where his clone NPC saves him. And we're going to put him right back to that clone whenever he gets done traveling through the portal and the with Rick and Morty. The clone just kind of gets put in the cryogenic yeah. tank for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, do you get its No, you just hit a button when you come back and it just decomposes. And when you need another one, they just give you another one. But what about the clone's memories of doing podcasts with you and having my life for that time? I mean, but it do really wasn't your life. I mean, if you want those memories, I guess you could. How do you – you just going to pop back in and – Dude, like, Michael J. Fox, Doc Brown, you could leave You're before on episode 200 when I come back. This is episode – No, I'm not. No. No, I would time will not pass. That's You're going right. so fast, time doesn't pass even really. I don't know how to explain it any better than that. Like, yeah. I'm not a math fan. We've said this before. <laughs> I'm not good with math. No. Put me on the, put me on the soapbox of math trials. Uh, so the, the next article, uh, now that we have time travel and interstellar space completely figured out, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> Um, this is a good one because it's, it's, uh, we talked to, uh, Arisa Balu and VJ last night, and this is something that I was going to bring up and didn't and kind of forgot. So we'll talk about it now. Um, this is the mystery of the, of New Zealand's Tamil Bell, uh, an archeological UFO, um, by Petrina Dara. And this is for Atlas Obscura, which is a really awesome site. I like Atlas Obscura. Yeah, Yeah. You guys should definitely, um. Uh, if you're not hip to Atlas Obscura, they they have some cool stuff. Absolutely. Um, and so it goes on to say, The Tamil Bell, the broken crown of a ship's bell embossed with Tamil script, has fascinated and perplexed scholars for more than a century. I bet it has. Uh, and this is uh, in a museum in New Zealand. Okay, so upon- You know why it's perplexed them? Because it doesn't fit how they think things happen. Fall on the turtles, bro. Oh, I'm saying it perplexes them because they go, this doesn't fit the timeline. Right. 
Go on. Indian folks are coming to yeah. New Zealand yeah. however long ago. Right. Uh, upon his arrival at the Maori village in the lush North Island forests of New Zealand, sometime in the late 1830s, Cornish missionary William Colenso noticed something curious. It was a momentous occasion. Colenso was reportedly the first European to visit the community, but he was distracted by a pot. What? According to his account, Maori women were cooking potatoes, possibly kumra, a sweet potato-like tubert, in a bronze pot over a hearth. Rather than the more traditional method of placing heated stones in the wooden vessel, it was particularly odd because the village had not been established, uh, had not established trade with foreigners, and therefore thought Colenso had no access to bronze, which was not manufactured on the island at the time. First pause. Go ahead. Can we talk about that? Of course. They don't manufacture bronze. How did it get there? And Somebody how did it get from there? India brought it there. How did it get there with Tamil script? I mean, again, the proof's in the pudding. Why are you guys confused? Mm-hmm. And I think I don't think with this, I don't think anybody's really. Uh, from what I was talking to VJ about, I think it's still highly debated artifact. Uh, and this is what kicked off a lot of people's research into the subject and why VJ is kind of the next generation. Think how much of, of this re- stuff doesn't make Balu it out. Though. And all those folks that right. wrote those books that VJ talked right. about. Think how many discoveries like this that don't ever get any attention, though, because if people find it, like I have a, a rough anecdote of this happening, I think, off the coast of Brazil, like a Roman ship. Yeah. They found it. They discovered it. They, they concluded it was there. Yeah, But they were worried if they said they discovered that. Now, that gives credence that Brazil possibly had Roman settlers before this and that. And what it does is it starts this whole, like, I was here first. Yeah. We we really don't need – it sounds stupid, but it's like the Ernest movie where he's like, you can't own a tree. You can't own land. You can't, you're you a you know temporary member here. You don't really own anything. And Did that, you just reference an Ernest movie? Dude, it's a great reference. Scared Stupid or Ernest Goes to Jail? No, OG. Ernest goes to camp. Oh, that's the first one. Because the Native Americans have the, that's the right. camp. That's right. And the land wants to build it to construct on it and make like a strip mine. And Ernest <laughs> is so stupid, but then he learns from the chief the value that. <laughs> Dude, there's a great lesson there, and it really is. <laughs> I know. You can't own anything. You don't really ever own anything, really. I just, it's all like just renting forever. How we got from the Tomo Bell to Ernest. Because what I'm saying is I'm ex- It's great. I'm, I'm just I'm just I think it's I'm fun. excited when things like this come up because what I'm saying is there's a there has to be a filter that a lot of times things like this happen where whatever country it is or or culture or whatever right, you want right. to say, they go, Hey, if we acknowledge this, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. gonna start a problem. Well, they're acknowledging it, it seems like. Um because in the Brazil instant incidents they blew that ship up. Right. They didn't want any of that found. They literally destroyed it. Yeah, that's so sad. So Man. it's the same with burning libraries yeah. and burning right. knowledge yeah, and yeah. why we keep going, we don't know what we're doing here. Right. Yeah. It's like we keep hitting ourselves in the head with a hammer every decade or 100 years going, I think I just want to like not remember or Imagine get anywhere the, further. The, or, the Library of Alexandria, you don't think that would have told us that Tamil people were going all over the the world Dude, look at the library at the Vatican right now and the amount of knowledge that's held there that nobody's allowed to see. No. They have like five miles of bookshelves. Would you rather, here we go, would you rather jump through the portal or get on the ship or would you rather go into the Vatican? No brainer. Get me on the ship. Come on. On the ship? Yeah, no, it's not even a question. 
Not even a question. Pretty close not for even, me. Not even a question. Because I know there I wouldn't, like, disappear. Uh, I'm not worried about disappearing. I'm assuming it's like a nice Uber driver that... <laughs> You're bring. assuming. Again, I like to think of things in an ideal fashion. If I'm putting in the the, the side chance that I'm going to get abducted and, you know, poked and prodded and... yeah. Boy, that's a tough one. I'm going to feel like Zap Brannigan unless they bring me to the island of Snoo Snoo where the yeah. but flesh is bloodied think and about bruised. Think all the, the, all the alien stuff the Vatican probably has. They have a ton of stuff. You know? They have a ton of stuff. They have like yeah. all the uh, Galileo original writings and anything that was deemed too sensitive or taboo. They have all Even kinds beyond of that, stuff. though, the ancient, ancient stuff. They have stuff nobody Atlantean knows Atlantean stuff or Lemurian stuff. Could. I want to go in there like Gandalf did. At Minas Tirith. Sign me up. With a cup a of close, mead. It's 1A, 1B. Pipe, and I want to go through those manuscripts. I'd do both, but yeah. yeah, if I had a choice, yeah, I'm definitely getting on the ship. Okay. Back to the article. There we go. Colenso looked closer. It was a strange pot indeed, roughly six and a half inches high and six inches across. It had prominent ridges and even uh, and an uneven lip if part of the pot had broken off. Embossed in the bronze were loops and swirls of language that wasn't English. Oh, boy. This was no pot, Colenso realized. Oh. It was the top of a ship's bell. They repurposed it. Exactly. The okay. Maori women told Colenso that it had been with them for generations. Their ancestors had found it in, a, in the roots of a tree that had toppled in a storm. Could you imagine? Entreat Colenso traded the bell for a cast iron pot, dude. When he died in 1899, the object was bequeathed to the Colonial Museum, which would later become the Museum of New, New Zealand's uh, Te Papa Tangarwa, located in Wellington. I've been there. Have you? Wellington's wonderful. That's where we took the uh, took a boat over that was so big that it was like a city. And you drive on. And when I say you drive on, it's like multiple semi-trailers, Whoa. multiple cars. Huge barge. It's massive. Dang. It took three hours to cross the gap from the South Island to the North Island. Wow. It was wild. Dang. It was Just wild. chugging along nice and slow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was That's cool. cool. It was fun. But anyways, go ahead. Uh, I bet that was some good uh, scenery on the way there. I saw some dolphins. I bet. Yeah. yeah. My wife was trying not to throw up the whole time. She had a migraine. Oh, that's. We were having drinks and watching cricket. Mm. It was great. Cricket's big. Yeah. Oh. These uh, games can last for days. Where did I You're at go? for more for, than a century. Yeah. Yep. So for more than a century, scholars puzzled over the object known as the Tamil Bell for its embossing writing, which is which is in Tamil, the language spoken today in southeastern India, Sri Lanka, and Singapore. Most everything else about the bell, including how it ended up in New Zealand, remained a mystery until uh, Nalina Gopal, an inquisitive museum curator from Singapore's Indian Heritage Center, arrived in Wellington in 2019. Wow, that's very recent. Yeah. Her tenacious detective work would reveal surprising details about the bell and also raise new questions. Touching the cold bronze of the Tamil Bell for the first time ignited Gopal's interest. It was a surreal moment, she says, her eyes lighting up at the memory. As with Colenso nearly two centuries earlier, Gopal was struck by the Tamil Bell's uh, incongruence. There are no historical records or archaeological evidence that Tamil seafarers ever sailed to or traded with New Zealand. Simply put, the bell defies explanation. 
It's like a UFO, Gopal says. The bell's original swell is gone, and the only and only the crown, not much larger than her cupped hands, remains its size raises questions about Colenso's original story. Would it have been enough for cooking potatoes? Maybe baby potatoes, Gopal says with a laugh. Gopal dug into the previ- previous theories about the bell. As early as 1822, New Zealand scientist William Maskell believed that the bell might have been in possession of some well-traveled sailor who kept it as a souvenir from a South Asian port but lost it somehow in the North Island. In her 1996 book, New Zealand Mysteries, historian Robin Gosset suggested that a ghost ship, its crew, having died or abandoned the vessel, might have drifted for thousands of miles before wrecking on New Zealand shores. So here's this image here, a portrait of a missionary, William Colenso. There he is there on the left. There's some sketches that he has of the bell. Um, and one thing people familiar with the Tamil bell had agreed, it must be very old. It looked old, after all, and the script had been previously dated to the 14th or 15th century. Gopal, a native Tamil speaker in southern India, dismissed this conclusion immediately. The older Tamil gets, the more difficult it is to read because the further removed from how the script is today, Gopal says, adding that, when she saw the bell, I could read the Tamil with the help of an archaeologist skilled in analyzing ancient scripts, Gopal discovered that the bell was most likely made in the 17th or 18th century. Next, she turned her attention to the meaning behind inscription and previously had been translated as the bell of the ship in Mohidin books. While the English spelling of the name was uncertain, it might have been Modahin Basque or Modahin Bakash. The consensus had been that the bell definitely belonged to a ship owned by Mohadin Books. Gopal discovered otherwise. The bell's inscription translation was quite literal, she says, and I don't think they did much research into who or what Mohadin Books might be. As she scoured the book for more information, she came across the work of J. Raja Muhammad, a researcher based in Tamil Nadu and a former curator of a regional museum there. Muhammad had been trying to solve the Bell's mystery since the 1980s. Muhammad had been the first to suggest that Mohadin Books may not have been the owner of the ship, but the name of the ship itself. Gopal and Muhammad combined the forces to learn more. Mohammed poured over maritime archives from Tamil Nadu while Gopal combed through the documents at the National Archive of Singapore. The shipping records are along re, uh, requiring hours of painstaking searches. Their careful work led to an unexpected find. A lot of Muslim merchant communities in Southeast Asia revered a saint called Mohadin Books, says Gopal. Mohadin Books she said she and Mohammed learned was a common name for ships sailing from Tamil Nadu. The idea was that the ship would be protected because it was named after the saint, after the saint, Gopal says. She knew that Tamil Bell's inscription, Mokadin Books, Udia, uh, I'm not even going to try. Uh, <laughs> I know the feeling well. In, in a, I don't want to, <laughs> man, VJ, where you at, bud? Yeah. In a new light, uh, Udiya means belonging to someone, says Gopal. Gopal. 
Uh, perhaps in this instance, what they actually meant is that the ship was under the care of the saint rather than that it belonged to a person. Right. Right? So Gopal and Makes Muhammad sense. were less successful connecting any Tamil ships to New Zealand. They found no evidence of any lost trade networks, nor could they pinpoint the ship that might have been carried the Tamil bell. According to Muhammad, after a story about the bell in 1975 made a local media splash, several families in the region had claim to it. Three families believed they were descended from the sea traders who might have once owned a ship by the name by the same name. One family had even petitioned Te Papa Museum to return the bell to Tamil Nadu, where they believed it belonged. Wow. When Gopal returned to Singapore, she took the bell with her on a loan to the Indian Heritage Center for seven months. It was on display before returning to Te Papa Gopal. Gopal says it drew Tamil Muslims excited to see the fragments of the past. Ultimately, Gopal thinks the bell should stay in New Zealand. It's a part of the bell's journey, she says. Perhaps, she added, the bell can do as it has apparently always done, move around, visiting different museums, and the way the ship carrying it once pulled into far-flung ports. So, hmm, who really knows? I mean... It doesn't seem to be ancient, though, yeah? I mean, that's kind of what... Well... I'd like to talk to Vijay a little it bit It sounds more like about there's that. conflicting theories on that between Gopal and right. um, some of the other right. researchers, but it also sounds like even on the messaging of it itself saying, you know, they thought that Mohidin Books was the owner of the ship, and um, is it you? Yeah. Um, and they're really thinking now that it, it was more of like how people would say, I, I'm in God's hands. Right? Something like yeah. that. Is yeah, yeah. But it's more of what they're saying the inscription is is translated to. So I don't know. I mean, maybe they got flung off course. Right? I don't know. I don't know how to test that. If you can test it yeah. and get a date or time off it metallurgically. Um. It's a cool story. I mean, I just like that they found this guy found it with these Maori women just cooking their dinner with it, coming upon it. Yeah, that's kind of the coolest part of the whole story. What if you found a civilization that was like living in some remote area, and they're like, you know, their hut was basically a UFO. <laughs> I mean, they're like living inside of it, just like it's a nice structure, and we've just always been yeah, here, and we built our house around it. You know, archaeologists showing up, like, what the heck? Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on that article? No. We can move on. I feel like uh, Baluser would have yes. some good Yeah, he uh, would. We'll bring it up. We'll bring it up next time they For come sure. Um Our last article comes from uh, The Wizard Stoner. I think threw this one in the uh, link show notes. So I pulled it out, and it's uh, from newsartnet.com. Uh, and it's covering archaeology, and the title says, Thousands of citizen scientists studying LIDAR maps have found... 1,000 prehistoric burial mounds across the Netherlands. Um, they also detected Celtic fields, charcoal kilns, and cart tracks. And this is from Min Chen, February 10th of 23. And um, says some 6,500 citizen scientists in the Netherlands have located a trove of archaeological remains across the Velue and Utrechtse. Oh my God. Hooverlung? Hoover, 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 Hoover. 
Huevo rug, whatever it is, regions while working with researchers at Leiden University. Their findings include more than 1,000 burial mounds dating to 2800 to 500 BCE, in addition to prehistoric field complexes known as Celtic fields, charcoal kilns, and cart tracks, and other archaeological objects. Um, the hunt was spearheaded by Heritage Quest, a collaborative venture between the university and Gelderland Heritage, a cooperative of 30 heritage organizations. From 2020, the project tasked its participants with examining some 600,000 lighter maps of the Veluwe and Utrechtse oh, Huvelrug <laughs> areas on Zooniverse. Isn't that a real word, Zooniverse? That seems made up. Okay. We might have to fact check this. That's article. a comic book. Planet. A citizen science web portal to detect new archaeological structures. Oh, the Zooniverse is a citizen science web portal to detect new archaeological structures. That's, that's really amazing. Cool. Yeah. That's really cool. It's like a Reddit of archaeological yeah. finds, hopefully, of people. That, dude, throwing. wouldn't that be cool? It is like cool. Like a, a land, uh, like somebody like Jeff or one of those guys could just submit they can. all the LIDARs that they've they done here. It yeah. sounds like it can. You know, maybe there's some uh, review, I'm sure, like, you know, some mm-hmm. scope of you got to clear this bar, but, uh, quote, with the help of thousands of uh, citizen scientists, we were able to investigate a much wider region and in much greater detail than professional archaeologists alone could attain. Eva Kaptinge, an archaeologist with Gelderland Heritage, told Artnet News. So now, who's told us that before? Jeff, Tom, um, we're seeing it now. If you know, go out and if you can't get it yourself, go out and do the research. And it's almost like crowdsourcing. And really what I just thought it was like an archaeological dig reminds me of a missing persons case. Everybody throws in their hands and they go out and they make these massive search parties and they do these bump lines and they cover tons of ground that, you know, one or two or six people would take them. I don't know how much longer. Right. So if you have that many more eyes on the site at an archaeological dig. Mm hmm. Or just uncovering them in general. Like, that's just like that hive mind, right? Like, you know, yep. that's wild. It, it's amazing that it took that long, too. But maybe that's why the technology is bleeding into our everyday items now, too, that you can get LiDAR scanning on your iPhone if it has the uh, laser yeah. sensor, right? Yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons I want the new on. phone. Yeah. Yeah. They said, uh, going on, they said, without the volunteers, this project would have taken years and not be as reliable. She said, adding that every map on Zooniverse was inspected by about 15 people. Following online discoveries by citizen scientists, archaeologists, archaeologists, I don't know why I'm having trouble with that one. Too many weird (laughs) words this time. And archaeology students from the university headed out into the field in the summer of 21 to verify the remains. So taking soil samples from more than 300 burial mounds, the team found that 80 of these were previously undiscovered structures, effectively doubling the number of known mounds in the area. Further studies have led them to believe that more than 1,250 of the sites pinpointed by citizen scientists could be prehistoric. This is wild. According to Quentin Bourgeoisie, Bourgeois, I guess, an assistant professor of late prehistory at Leiden University, the new findings also show that a huge swath of the Utrechtse Huvelrug National Park, a nature preserve, is full of prehistoric fields and burial mounds. We previously did not know that we're, there were so many burial mounds in the Netherlands, said Conan Jeezum Prixma, an archaeologist who assisted in the field work. With these findings, he noted, we can learn the burial rituals of ancestors, how they lived and what they ate. At least 3,000 burial mounds have been discovered in the Netherlands, with most located in the Veluwe, a densely forested area in Gelderland. 
These mounds date to as early as the Stone Age up until the end of the Iron Age, created by piling dirt atop the burial chambers of one or more people. Rather than being randomly built, these structures, notably the ones that run in a straight four-mile line across the municipality of Epe, near Velue, bear out evidence of the ritualized burials with posts and ancient stone circles found alongside the sites. Wild. In addition to reorienting the current view of prehistory in the region, Kaptij said the material gathered by Heritage Quest will go toward informing policymaking around archaeological preservation. Heritage Quest... Let me just say, you're getting it right. Shout out to you. Yeah. I will be. I'll be sharing this Zooniverse, for sure. Heritage Quest with, with some folks because both of those. Big. That's exciting. It's big to hear about. Yeah. Born not to run had a very good point. Surprised nothing got built on top of these sites. Um, like there hasn't been some, uh, you know, uh, some kind of development or some kind of mall or housing developments or something like that's amazing. Well, so they go on to say what you're saying here, right? So they said one of the project stated aims, you know, is to help inform policymaking. They also say the engagement of the Dutch public has been central to that effort. Studies quote, including our own have shown that this result, this results in better protection of the heritage by engaging the public awareness of important archaeological heritage is created as it is a greater sense of place and a feeling of ownership. So that's why when you hear people say all the time, we've said it, I didn't know this was here. I didn't know that was there. X, it goes on and on because nobody knows so like um, this kind of like community grassroots in not making it this where you can't help do the research well, in a certain banks way. banks that are available to the public. There's no, um, I guess university. That's you know when you have to to be able to get papers and and a lot of things, uh, old documents. You got to have memberships. Out. There's you know yeah. that's what um, the dude from Reddit got in a lot of trouble for. You that's know what he that's killed what, himself about. Yeah, exactly. They were trying he, to put him was, away for his whole life. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Yeah, he was trying to make the just research. knowledge free. Yes, and accessible. Yeah. Um, you know, that guy it ruined Aaron his Schwartz. Life. Yeah. Aaron Schwartz, I think, is his name. So this is, you know, kind of your open source, what I feel is like a beginning of this open source project where, you know, you get these multiple disciplinaries working on this kind of stuff. Hey, here's the research. Here's all the scans. Hey, you're a geologist. You're uh, an archaeologist. You're an anthropologist. Let's all come together and, and what do you see? You're, oh, my eye sees this. I'm a geologist. Everybody sees things differently. You put the full picture together. Can I give you an analogy always, that I just thought of? Always, bub. So they say that when you take psychedelics and why people microdose and when you're on these drugs, your brain, um, different areas of it uh, talk new, to each other that don't normally talk right. to each other. So maybe your language and reasoning is mixing with your it's sight called, for some reason. or It's called your neuroplasticity. Music. Yeah, right? So yeah. what I'm saying here is, that is kind of an example of saying we need to be neurally plastic with taking different disciplines and allowing them to work together because we might get better answers out of that rather than saying, no, this is just a geologist um, area or this is just an exclusive archaeologist area. So, again, that geologist yeah. might come in and say, right. yeah, your theory doesn't match up to how old this rock is or you, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you could have that check and balance of work. But it hasn't been that way yet, and to mm-hmm. see it kind of shaping up that way maybe or even letting citizens participate in it, you don't have a degree in it. Why can't you still help? Again, search and rescue. Do you have eyes and can look for this? Great. 
That's what we need. You don't have to be like, you know, trained right. for 50 years. Anybody can it. volunteer to be on a search and rescue team. It's all of that redundancy work that's going to take everybody. physically able yeah. to hike through the woods or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's pretty wild. It's this encouraging. exciting. Very yeah. exciting. That I need was a to good check article. out Zooniverse. Yes. And what was the other one? Heritage? Heritage. World? Or closed my... Heritage Organization. We're going to put it in the show notes if we find it back out of the article. Yeah. But we'll yeah. have all the articles we'll as have well the link. in there. We'll have it linked in there. We need to tell Jeffrey about that, though. Yeah. He probably knows about it. He probably does. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, put, I'll post it in, in the Friends of the Serpent Mountain Facebook group, which is a wealth good. of information. If you guys want to know about uh, earthworks in Ohio and, and uh, mounds and, uh, you know, that whole world, Friends of the Serpent Mountain Facebook group is yeah. – there's a lot of different researchers in there posting stuff all the time, not just about Ohio. Nope. It's um, a great knowledge dump. Yeah. If you need a question answered or uh, – Pointed in the right direction for something to go look at or entertain. Or yeah, a lot of people that mind. scan do LIDAR work. A lot of people that study LIDAR. A lot of people that study artifacts. You have the iPhone 13, like we said. Yeah. And you've got the laser sensor on it. Yep. You can, I think, either download or buy an app that will then take that laser sensor and yep. turn your camera into a LIDAR scanner. It's look, got its, look up a video on YouTube if you don't know what I'm talking about. It's got its own camera. It's a totally separate sensor built in it's the little i guess it's like pinkish red you it's flip a, your fi- phone over it's a laser it's a little tiny because uh, you can see sensor. things in the dark it can mm-hmm. bounce it back and it makes an image off of that right so it's it's scanning the ground it's like those it's incredible things, technology it's those things where you put your hand on all the little needles mm-hmm. and it makes the image of your hand right think of those like each individual uh, individual laser point as like a pixel every time right. it's hitting and creating that image somehow exactly wild stuff available to the public Let's do some research. Yep. Anything else? I Mentions, think that's all we have. Socials. You know where to find us by now. Maybe oh, on. Uh, let's just uh, talk about one uh, exciting thing. Stoner's been killing it on TikTok. TikTok. Strange Road has a TikTok page now. Started it up. Heard, yeah. We're getting. I don't know how many followers he's currently has, but I'm pretty sure he's beating you on Twitter already. I was about to say this is weeks. like. <laughs> Tortoise in the hair. Starting off, uh, pushing kind of all the reels and and uh, just put shorts some of the smaller and smaller content out there. Yeah, starting from when we kind of re- kicked off the show, so many comments, hilarious comments. Oh, God, it's just yeah. been so fun watching, just blow up like some of those the doppelganger videos. Getting a Pretty lot good. of uh, Tom's doppelganger. Hey man, doppelganger story is solid as a rock. Those are just. I want to go down there and just research doppelgangers. Mm-hmm. Spend a weekend and just see if I can spot one. Big doppelgangers are big right now. I know. Um, but, you know, uh, thank everybody in the Facebook group. We, Absolutely. The Facebook group's yeah. growing. Stopping by. We've got uh, each week we've got uh, new people joining. So More jumping in there. To, yeah, to all of them. Appreciate that. Um, again, you can follow us on all platforms at The Strange Road. Make sure you hit this, uh, hit the subscribe, but also uh, hit that like well, and I saw Bruin like Ruin button. said, "Missed yeah. the beginning. YouTube failed to notify, and I didn't know if that was because YouTube didn't notify or didn't hit the correct subscribe button." I know that there's, there's two one. subscribe buttons. Why has there got to be so many? There's uh, one that's see through and one that's solid white. And which one do you want? I just figured it out because the same thing happened to me when I subscribed to. Let's just another put it YouTube. to rest. Which one do you hit? The solid. The one. solid one. Solid white. When you subscribe, hit the solid white notification bell, yeah. and that will actually get you the alerts. Um, sorry, missed the start of it, Bruin Ruin, but you might have to roll yeah, it back. Yeah, but we and appreciate you it. being here. Absolutely. And hanging out with us. Yeah, 100%. Um, 
And yeah, thank you to all the listeners on Spotify, Apple, Google, all the podcast platforms. Make sure you hit a five-star rating. Yep. That would be so awesome. We would appreciate it. Um, and uh, like I said, hit like on this video. Yep. And keep hanging out with us. We'll keep doing stuff. If you guys like strange happenings, we'll keep doing them. Yeah. If you like our interviews, we'll keep doing them. Yep. We're having fun. I'm having a great time. I think it's so much fun. <laughs> you signing off? Signing I'm off, done. Bub? I'm done. All right. Kyle and uh, Matt, appreciate you as always. Take us out, Wizards. fellas. Thank you. Take care, everybody. See you guys. Bye.